Well, we sure have had a lot of interest rate talk these days, haven't we? I think the big reason for that is because there's been so many changes, but it's also a sexy conversation. Let's be honest. There's so many things to consider when it comes to a mortgage. The one thing that everybody knows about is interest rates. And so when we get to actually determining determining the interest rate that someone's going to get on their loan, it often blows people away what their final option looks like and how we got there. Now, I'm not going to give you the mortgage lending 101 to understand why TD Bank has 298 different variations of their mortgage rates, but I'm going to give you a snippet to help you understand. And this will probably save you a lot of stress, potentially save you a fair amount of money, and really help you understand what to look for in a good mortgage professional, because I think that's the key to a lot of this. That being said, I'm sure that everybody listening to this will get a lot of appreciations for what goes on behind the scenes and how to better determine what type of interest rate that you could actually qualify for when it comes your mortgage purchase, renewal, rental, or anything else for that matter. Of course, if you're loving the show, folks, make sure to leave us that iTunes review. We do give away a mug. Let us know. We've got a little positivity mug here from Thrive, some coffee, and we always, always, always are appreciative of everyone who shares our content with someone else and leaves us a review. So thank you again for listening in. Enjoy the show. What's up, guys? You are listening to the YBR Remo Show, where we talk all things Vancouver real estate and mortgages, take boring topics, and make them interesting. Make sure to stay tuned to listen to everything you need to know how to put cash back in your pocket, create wealth in real estate, and simplify the complicated. Rates on rates on rates on rates. That's what we're talking about here today. Because, listen, that's all most people talk about when it comes to mortgages until they understand everything there is to go behind the scenes. Um, This is a worthwhile conversation to have today because, you know, there's so much going on in the real estate world right now. There's so much talk about money. There's so much talk about finances. And, uh, you know, it continues to emphasize the importance of breaking down complicated topics and complicated subjects and making them more simplified. To be really honest with you guys, as we get into this, you know, and I don't even need to preface by saying that, but to let you know, I see the value of working with a professional as a mortgage broker just continues to grow more and more and more year over year over year. And, you know, just while we were preparing to have this conversation today, it got me thinking about, wow, like the next few years, it's going to be so imperative for a borrower to work with someone who's educated. If you're just buying something online uninformed, it it could mean pretty disastrous situation for your overall finances. Yeah, I just think the one common, I mean, we love the banks. There's a lot of phenomenal people at the banks. We work with them, obviously. Um, But you got to keep in mind, like when you're going directly to one institution, you're completely putting your blinders on and they might offer you a great product and it might make sense, but they quite literally don't know if there is something better up the street, right? It's just a very, very biased opinion, unfortunately, when you're going directly to one institution. And Again, like in this environment, everyone's mindset is on interest rates. That's all everyone's thinking about. Even if you don't have a mortgage, you're thinking about interest rates, right? And there's so many different types of products and types of programs. I mean, I'll list off a handful of them. Like there's an insured mortgage. There's an insurable mortgage. There's a conventional mortgage. There's like promotional rates that are available for someone closing within 30 to 45 days. There's different lengths of terms that might make more sense for your situation. There's fixed variable lines of credit alternative lending, right? Like there's just so much to unpack in this and you need to make sure that someone is is really digging into this and making sure that they're presenting you with the best possible options for your situation. Well, I mean, even when you go to the bank, you may get a really good professional that knows what they're doing, 
from a perspective of what they're responsible for at the bank like just to what you you mentioned there all these different factors insurable you know non-insurable conventional all these different things you're going to get different rates at the same institution because of those reasons and so as advice you're getting the best for you even just at that institution like at the end of the day you know you may be with whatever bank and it could be the same bank we recommend but is it the same product at that bank we recommend Probably not. Um, because again, these people that work at the institutions, great people, awesome at what they do, but they're responsible for not just mortgages. They're doing insurance advising, financial advising. There's there's so many buckets, there's so many hats that the bank makes them wear. And and it's impossible for them to be so specialized in mortgages, in, in let alone their own products uh, outside to what we do, you know, uh, to your point, Derek, comparing to all the different brands and institutions out there. And then again, what is the you know, what is the nature of that advice they're giving you? They're working for the institution, right? They're looking out for the profitability of that institution, not your your bottom line. So where I would go with this is I'm going to go even one step further. I'm going to make this provocative, interesting. I'm going to go uh, throw things under the table or make it even more interesting, so to speak. Where I see things going as far as mortgages are concerned, and, you know, I know this conversation is mostly about, like, how do you even determine interest rates and, and educating, you know, our listeners on what that looks like now, but is, you know, the mortgage brokering world is even becoming a little bit more convoluted because it's, we talk about traditionally speaking, going to the bank or the branch as, like, the primary source. Well, in Canada, we've also noticed that over the past few years, there have been, you know, a lot of, like, online vendors and, and like, uh, super large, like, super brokerages, if you will. Um, and the thing about it is uh there's there's good choices for a lot of con different consumers but uh even with these different types of companies there's a lot of mandates like they have their own you know preferred lender broker because of the commissions that they're receiving in these situations um you know and getting into the depth of the dark world of mortgage brokering a lot of brokers don't have access to all the same lenders so while we think that most good professionals should be able to disclose and explain to the different options available the reality is is there's a lot of people that don't do enough business so they can't determine and can't find the right options for you and then there's a factor of like are these people even educated enough to be able to provide that advice have they been through it so while i don't want to throw mortgage brokers under the bus at all that's not my intention in this part of the conversation i guess where i'm going with this is how important good professional advice is going forward here more than anything else so let's let's circle back and get into it because i think we could probably get onto a long conversation about all the different things that we've seen in the last few years and maybe we do do an episode that the purpose of our call today or talk today is to really dig into how you can even determine what type of interest rate that you can be looking for um and this was sparked by a conversation that we've had uh, a lot of conversation we've had in the last couple of weeks with clients who are coming up on their mortgages who last got it back in you know 2017 and uh you know at that time it, it was a little bit less complex because the b20 rules hadn't completely kicked in now the b20 guidelines are a set of basically if anybody does not know this set of underwriting guidelines so the banks and lenders have to follow these underwriting guidelines anybody federally managed so your big banks your large companies and the the government essentially more or less controls how they underwrite mortgages so you know back in 2011 you could have a, you could just have equity you could just have cash and you can get a conventional uh, great awesome mortgage rate now not so much the case you have to follow the stress test and income and all that kind of fun stuff right so a lot of people now are coming up from their mortgage terms and they're like why why don't i just qualify for abc rate at this bank or why can't i just get this rate i, I saw online 
why does someone keep telling me that I'm getting a different interest rate? Well, we're going to kind of try to break that down here today to help you understand some of the different camps and categories that Derek started talking about right off the hop. And uh, yeah, just determine maybe not necessarily which rate's best for you because that's more of an advising conversation, but just help you understand why there are so many different camps. So why don't we just start with you know some of the biggest changes that happened in the, the late teens there we just talked on, which is the whole insurance world. Oh my God, that one is usually mind-blowing for most people. So I don't know which one of you guys wants to take that one away or take a stab at that to start. Yeah, I mean, we can just start off with an insured mortgage, right? Like an insured mortgage in general, and this has been around for a while, um, but in general, your typical high ratio insured mortgage means that you're purchasing a property, not refinancing or renewing, like you're purchasing a new home has to be owner occupied and you're buying with less than 20% down, right? Buying with less than 20% down, there's no possible way to purchase a property in Canada without mortgage insurance. Mortgage insurance is, you typically hear of CMHC, but there's two others as well, uh, Canada Guarantee and Sagen, which used to be Genworth. Three insurers in Canada, um, you have to qualify based on that set of guidelines. So as much as there are 50 different lenders in Canada that you can work with, there are three insurers. And as much as Scotia Bank might want to be on board with your mortgage, if the insurer isn't going to do it, you cannot get financing. Um, but the common theme here is down payment, right? That's that's kind of the make or break situation with a high ratio insured mortgage. Less than 20% down, your mortgage is insured. Key factor here, you have to pay the insurance. And this is not life insurance, not disability insurance. It doesn't benefit you at all other than simply allowing you to buy that property with less than 20% down. And believe me, there's benefit there, right? Because if we didn't have that, you're trying to get to 20%, you might not be able to do that. So <clears throat> paying that insurance premium, it's actually rolled into the mortgage. It's not an additional cost, um, but it's, it can be dramatic cost. I mean, I was running some numbers the other, last night for some clients at an $800,000 purchase price with 10% down and it was $29,000, right? So if you have the ability to getting to 20% down, you're gonna see that immediate savings off of the insurance um, and you also get a longer amortization, which we'll touch on. But um, purchasing a home with less than 20% down, those are the most restrictive guidelines you'll ever see. Um, Rental income is not dramatically used. Uh, it's not leaned on with much weight. Um, they're very, very, uh, they go deep on credit. Like you have to have very, very strong credit. And if it's a little bit below where it needs to be, you need a very good explanation. Income needs to be very consistent and provable. Any flaws in an application, you will have challenges getting financing uh, on an insured mortgage. Whereas with 20% down or more, there's a little bit more leniency. So, I mean, one of the most underreported parts about these changes is just how that impacted refinances. And, and that's a big that's a big thing for people that would have bought a home in 2017, 2018 that are coming up for renewal and looking at all this equity that they've they've you know garnered over the last five years or what have you and looking to access that and refinance and realizing that oh wow there's a lot of restrictions here that you know didn't exist when they bought um, like interest rates are, are higher so you know uh, when it comes to insurance and, and what you just mentioned how it is rolled into the mortgage and the client essentially pays for it um, back before these changes most banks would back end insure a lot of the business they did and what that meant is is they're basically putting a cmhc or or sage and insurance product on your mortgage without you paying for it or without you even knowing about it so they could securitize, you know, better financing and funds for, for the, them as a whole. Um, so, I mean, not to get too deep into that, but at the end of the day, what that means is, is it actually changed how we go about refinancing. And then for a lot of, a lot of people, refinancing is, was not even available anymore to them because of qualification issues or just simply 
cost of borrowing was a lot higher than they expected. Well, let's just like for a second, break that down for, you know, the borrower that's listening, listening to this. The first thing you need to know is that when you, when you're, if you're trying to Google search interest rates, which on its own can be mind numbing, because not only are they typically not up to date, but they also don't really educate you on the reasons why they're different. But the most important thing right off the bat is what Derek mentioned, which is an insured loan, an insured mortgage, which is like 5% down. How many people that we talk to that say, Hey, if you put five to 19% down, you know, you're going to get a better interest rate than if you put 20% down. Like, what? Why would that be the case? I'm putting down less collateral. Because every lender wants you to have this insured mortgage. As Derek mentioned, like if you're paying that $20,000 of insurance right there, you're ultimately looking at a situation where the lender is, is free and clear, man. If you guys foreclose on that property or if there's any issues with financing, that's why you have the insurance. It's protecting the lender and their funds in this case. So they want as many of those mortgages on their books in many cases as possible because they're safe uh, for for the lender. And as Derek mentioned, the guidelines are so strict and tight that you know, generally speaking, it's a lot safer as a, a, a lender to provide you the funds under those qualification guidelines. So again, best rates are always with the lowest down payment is what it is. You got to pay the insurance. So again, we talk about this a lot with our clients, but when we reference, I know we're talking about the difference why rates are different, but as a borrower, you should not be looking at the rate. You should be looking at the cost. There's a very big difference because it's just like looking at a car loan and saying it's 25 grand, but when you tack on five grand of financing fees, is it really 25 grand, right? So looking at the total cost is absolutely massive. So that's a first camp, that's a high ratio insured mortgage. The second one, this is where things get super confusing. People get really messed up on this one. So you can get what's called an insurable mortgage. So there's three camps, basically insured, insurable, and uninsurable. So stay with me guys, this is a lot of information. An insurable mortgage is, you still follow the same underwriting guidelines, meaning the same rental policies, the same qualifications and so forth, but you're putting down typically 20%, 25, 30% uh, in this type of range to buy a property, but you're following the guidelines. A 25-year maximum mortgage amortization, you're buying under a million bucks, right? In addition to that, you might, you're might you not refinancing, you're not taking on any new money if you are. If you have a mortgage, you might be switching, but you can't take out any new money or change your loan. And you're essentially more or less following, as I mentioned, the same guidelines as when you're putting less than 20 down. So um, that will provide you with the quote unquote second camp or second best interest rates or mortgage products that are available to you as far as total cost. But things get even more screwed up from there because the amount that you put down, if you put down 20 versus 25 versus 30 versus 35, there's different rate categories for every single qualification in, in that camp too. So I would suggest that an, an insurable mortgage, sorry, an insurable mortgage is the least of what we see every single day. Typically, we see people, if they're going to put down 20%, they're usually going to go all the way and they're going to do an uninsurable mortgage, which again comes at a rate premium, meaning you pay a little bit more in terms of interest, maybe not more in total cost, but a little bit more interest to go to 30 years or over a million bucks or use a rental policy. So that's the, th you know, the second and the third camp there. Yeah, I think just to speak to that last comment a little bit further is, you know, maybe like five years ago, it wasn't like this when we would run the numbers and, and it wasn't everyone's goal to get more financing. Now, like 95% of the people that we talk to are trying to get a higher qualification than they got from their bank or whatever. Like that's the goal because properties are so expensive now. And that extra five years does so much for qualification getting out of that insured or insurable box or category number one it allows you to purchase a home for over a million so many townhouses are over a million dollars now right like a lot of people just simply need that then you add on the extra five years on the amortization boom your qualification goes up 
And then like Alex mentioned, now we have access to all these unique rental programs and policies and we can get exceptions from lenders. Whereas when you're in that insured or, or insurable category, nothing. It's like black and white, cut and dry, very restrictive qualification. Um, outside of that, I just wanted to touch on like, why would, what is insurable? Like, so lenders actually purchase the insurance. So we talked about insured mortgages and that's where like, if I was buying a house with 5% down, I'm paying for that. It's getting rolled into my mortgage. It's my cost. So lenders actually buy the insurance because it lowers their risk, right? We talked about the risk factor and, and having that insurance on board means that even if Alex defaults on his mortgage, the bank's walking away. Like they're wiping their hands, they're getting every dime for the most part and the insurer is stepping in. So lenders actually behind the scenes as well, they will securitize and sell mortgages to investors, right? And investors are more keen to purchase these bulk mortgages if there's insurance tied to it, because again, very little risk, right? Yes, the rates are lower, profits are lower, but there's very, very little risk. And in general, when you're dealing with the amounts of money that we're talking about, millions, billions of dollars in certain situations, risk is a huge factor. Yeah, well said. Yeah, that that's a, a, a well-made point. So this also this all kind of circles back, Derek, to your point, like and Dean, just to start off here with the fact that, well, first of all, it's not as simple as like, here's the rate that's available. But a lot of this actually started happening after 16, 17, and then 18 when the final stress test came in. And then even more so 2020 when the COVID rest restrictions came in, they revised this quote B20 platform. Um, and, and it just reminds people of the importance. So a quick little example. So we talk about like, what are the different types of things that would impact your your interest rates? So like down payment, obviously, was is a number one factor, like we just talked about, like amortization, are you going 25 or 30 years price point a million bucks, believe it or not, buying over a million dollars changes your qualification over a million and a half, all these different things impact your lender options available. And, and there's a 100 of things, but so we won't go too deep into that. But um, other considerations, something that we maybe don't touch on enough is like actual product type. So like different types of restrictions that are available to you whether that be a penalty, your ability to prepay the mortgage, um, or have flexible terms. Now, sometimes that's just the lender, you know, like an RBC, for example, like, listen, they're a collateral mortgage, right? They're 10% maximum prepayment. You know, there's uh, restrictions on when and how you can do those payments. And if you break a fixed rate loan, you're going to pay a very, very, very large prepayment penalty. Now, they don't coin that a restrictive mortgage on our end in the scale we would but there are specific categories that have these certain restrictions and we call them low frills products and you often see them online advertised right very frequently um, they can go by so many different names and they're getting really really sneaky right because a lot of these online companies understand that consumers are getting smarter and they're looking for these things so they'll say not a no frills product but there is something sneaky built in there and you have to watch out for a lot of these things so some of the different restrictions that a consumer has to watch out for could vary depending on their financial goals and what they're trying to do obviously number one would be the penalties that could just be the type of loan right so that could be just the type of mortgage that you're getting fixed rate five-year rbc like you got to watch out for that i don't want to put this all in rbc but that's just one of the banks that, that would be the case but there are restrictions that specifically state in the contract if you break your loan even if you have a variable rate mortgage you can pay a, a no less than 3.5 percent of the balance and there's good lenders that offer those products because they understand that what people some people just care about the price they don't care about anything else they just care about the price it's like walking in the car lot. I just want the cheapest car. I don't care how bad it is. You know what I mean? So I think what the reality is, is if you're looking for a loan, you also have to consider the restrictions. So penalties, minimum penalties, penalty calculations, fixed and variable, the same thing. They're, they apply to both. The biggest one for me is, and I'll, I'll let you guys see it on this if I'm missing any restrictions, but the number one penalty or restriction that I see that people really need to watch out for, and this one got really big news a few years ago, was actually a, a sales clause is what it's called. 
a sales clause basically more or less states that if you take this mortgage product, not only, they'll give you a little bit of a better rate, usually 0.1%. In the grand scheme of things, that's like what? I don't know, three bucks for every hundred grand, like very minimal, minimal amount of money. Um, a sales clause basically says like, if you want to go to another mortgage company or you know refinance or restructure your terms throughout that five-year commitment, you can't unless you sell your house. You have to stay with this product, this lender. Right. And then in addition to that, they might only let you restructure within that product's guidelines, which limits you to what you can actually do. And I've seen some detrimental situations. I've seen people have to sell their house specifically because they could not access the equity in their home for, you know, unique emergency situations. You know, I've had people reach out that are two years into the term um, and they're like, hey, I just got this mortgage product. We did a restructure. We did a refinance for them. They get to the law office and we find out that that original loan that they signed, they can't do that. They can't even do it and no one explained it to them. And so, I mean, that's a different conversation. No one explaining to you is probably just comes down to the person that's actually selling you on that. But listen, if you're getting your mortgage online um, or through the branch, that's going to probably happen to a lot of people. Yeah, I mean, that's like your typical no frills products, right? Like we see this every around this time of year, to be honest, the spring market, we see the, you know, the 0.99% rates, like these just crazy rate sales that come out. Typically, they're attached to this type of a product, which in, in the industry, we refer to the no frills type of product. It's like, you know, it's like going to the car dealership and you got two Mercedes and one is fully loaded and one is not pretty much what you're getting. Fair point. Yeah, absolutely. Well said. <laughs> so um, with restrictions, I think it's short to say, like, again, my, the purpose of this call here is or this 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 podcast here is to educate the consumer about how we're looking at these options. So a little bit about, you know, restrictive versus non-restrictive. It's not always obvious. It's not called restrictive. They usually have a different name and sometimes there are more and sometimes there are less. You just have to keep in mind that, like Dean just mentioned, like the, the, the options versus no options. You, you just got to make sure that the product that you're choosing has the solutions that you're, what you're looking for right so um i think that's probably hit the nail on the head on the the restrictions thing but it's a worthwhile conversation to talk a little bit about how this impacts people from a perspective of like qualification credit and like policies like rental policies so forth. derek i don't know if you had some thoughts on that initially before the b20 guidelines came out and and we had all these changes in the rate world and insurable and and the different loan to values it, it was very you know, like if Scotia Bank was offering a certain rate, that's what everyone got at Scotia Bank. But now there's all these different levels, and we actually are seeing some lenders that are pricing applications based on this overall situation. Like we sent a file to a credit union last week, they picked it up, and as much as their rate sheet said a certain rate, they actually added a premium because of a credit blip that this client had two years ago, right? So they're actually starting to price applications a little bit different based on overall situation and overall strength, which like, again, three and a half years ago, that was not the case. Like if, if they were gonna approve it, everyone got the same rate, right? Um, one thing just to kind of plug, I'll plug us, I guess I could say, but mortgage brokers in general is, you do a lot of business with an institution, they want to help us, right? So we, our, our office actually gets discounts from certain lenders constantly. And we have promotional rates, which is another topic that we're going to bring up. But we have promotional rates that come out constantly. These aren't rates that you can lock in. So keep in mind, when you're doing a pre-approval and doing a rate hold for 120 days, these are not rates that you can lock in. But if you have an active transaction, like if you have an accepted offer on a purchase and we're about to submit a refinance, there are promotional rates that if you're closing in 30, 45 days, like, there are different rates available at those times. So as much as when we issue a pre-approval to a client, those are like worst case scenario rates that we're locking in just so we have something to fall back on. But we look at the entire market when a, an application goes live, right? To see if there's anything better available at the point of submission.
Yeah, and that's a good point there about the promotional thing. I think ultimately, um, well, or there's there's two good points there. One, the promotional piece, and the second one was about like the subjectivity. And we haven't even talked about alternative lending and guidelines around that, but I've seen that more in the last, well, it's basically since COVID, we started seeing that a lot. Like, So we talked a little bit about COVID having an impact on mortgage rates. Well, I mean, the fact that rates went up or down is not what we're here to talk about here today. It's like, why are they different from each situation to another? But they said they also had set up a, another set of guidelines during that time uh, when it comes to mortgage financing. And what you'll notice is a few things as a consumer, like typically... Um, during, as Derek mentioned, during the uh, the spring market, or Dean, maybe you said this, in the spring market, we do see like different types of rate sales. This can be good or this can be bad. A lot of them are time dependent, like, hey, for you got 30 days to do this purchase or 45 days to close because they may have some extra money or they might not. Um, and during those timelines is when they will decide to add in these different types of restrictions or be much tighter in regards to what I'm looking for. Hey, I'm looking for this AAA loan. If, you know, if it's a condo, we only want to see three rentals in the building or 3% rentals in that particular building and 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 you know what does that have to do with you as a borrower i mean nothing it has really nothing to do with you as a borrower but it's how lenders are adjudicating a file like there is a very specific lender that we work with where they'll literally look at strata buildings and they'll say like okay like we 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 don't want to offer this interest rate on this building because of as i mentioned like the rentals available in the in the building like because it's 30% or something of that nature. And then they'll make an exception sometimes to do it. So it's, it's again, it's not black and white. And that's why I think like, you know, thinking about the idea of, of like online apps to get your mortgage or going online to get mortgages, like we have a super good online platform to put in documents and go through and select things. And we, we use a portal to show our clients the different offers available and explain it. But like, it still to this day, if you're still looking for the best support in terms of like what types of solutions are available, it isn't black and white. I mean, heck, on the back end, we have literally two team members, us and, and someone else that looks at every single file to, to understand what types of options are available. And even then, as Derek mentioned, the lender could still adjudicate it differently after that. And, you know, not always in unique situations that you think, right? Like the property type, that impacts your rate. Your property location, this blows people away. Hey, like I've had, we've had a ton of people moving out of town in the last couple of years, going to like little interior towns and, and things of that nature, going to Alberta. And certain, not only do certain lenders not go there, like that AAA promo product probably won't go there. Um, in addition to that, we see them uh, giving you less money and or at a higher cost in some situations too, right? Um, I guess my last quick thought on what you said there, Derek, before I, I see it on this one is, uh, I, I do like to show a lot of our clients uh, our, our internal like back end when it comes to our database and show them when we're picking a product. For example, if we go to TD Bank, they got like 298 variations of rates and that is before they underwrite the file and could choose to change it. Like that's one particular lender out of like you know, 30 or 40 lenders, right? Yeah, and I mean, just on TD Bank, like they have a rate sheet, but we know that we can get rates a little bit lower and then we send it in and then they send it to head office and head office prices that file, right? It's typically coming in far lower than what even the branch is offering. So another good example on subjectivity, had a client the other day is purchasing a property and the square footage is like 550 square feet. This one lender that this guy qualifies with, they have a minimum square footage of 600. So they came back and said, we will do it, but you have to pay for insurance. So now there's like a $17,000 insurance premium being added on, but he gets a bit of a better rate, but this is an unknown, right? Like there's so many little things. Property size is one that can completely change the cost of the mortgage, right? Um, so anyways, we've been talking about that for a while. Maybe we should touch on conventional a little bit, just conventional uninsurable mortgages. 
which is probably our last stop on this. And and that is, I know we've touched on it throughout the conversation so far, but that is uh, a rental property as an example, right? Uh, rental properties cannot be insured or uh, insurable. Um, if you are doing a 30-year amortization because you might need that for qualification, that is an uninsurable mortgage, not an option to have it insured or uh, insurable. Uh, if the property value purchase price is over a million bucks, um, again, not insurable. Uh, if you need to lean on some really, really aggressive rental policies, if we need to, you know, get away from that insurable qualification, uh, if we need an exception from a bank, non-insurable, right? That's conventional. When you hear that term conventional, that's typically what that refers to. And uh, just again, on the rate piece, you're always going to see a bit of a higher rate. Alex touched on this right away. Everyone's like, why the hell am I getting a higher rate? I'm putting more money down. I'm a better borrower than the guy with 5% down. Fair enough. But again, the insurance is what's changing that the, the cost of that interest rate because there's less risk for the bank when the mortgage is insured. Well said, well said. I mean, I don't know if there's a ton to even add to that. I think you kind of hit the nail on the head. Um, getting into the rental policy thing is like you said, that's a whole other world of conversation when you show people like, hey, why is there a premium for this? Like, there, I mean, we, I could probably riff on a few other key points. Like if we're buying a property and someone's putting it into a holding company, right? There's a different rental premium for that. And there's a different category for that in general versus buying it and doing it a business, which we haven't even talked about alternative lending, which I don't even think is worth getting into today. But if you're with an alternative lender, you know, typically your rates could be anywhere from a quarter percent they could match the five-year fix of the banks and they could be 2% higher. There's a lot more subjectivity from that perspective. But like back to your point about that whole rentals and policies and so forth. Yeah, like that's where strategy really comes in too. Like a lot of our listeners are investors or clients who are aspiring investors. They want to buy a second home or a third home. Strategy is massive there because that's where things come in like, okay, if we're going to buy this second property and you're going to move into it, can we use an economic or an appraisal rent letter as opposed to you having to go and obtain a lease on a property that you don't even own or a property that you own, but you're not ready to lease out yet? That is a subjective consideration for you. It's objectively something that we have to do, but strategically, you have to think about this in advance. Well, thank God you don't have to. You have to talk to us. We have to think about this in advance so that we can look at your file. Now, um, I feel like, you know, sometimes we've got like a thousand different uh, different underwriting guidelines and numbers in our heads and it's so interesting because we have people that reach out to us and say hell you guys must be just such numbers nerds and yes we know the numbers but it's actually like the brokering world and understanding this stuff is is not as much about numbers as it is about pure problem solving like it's just problem solving more from a yeah like just from a guideline perspective it's like a puzzle every single file is a unique little puzzle even if it's five percent down 100 grand salary and you're qualifying for less there's even those factors how do you pick and choose which option makes sense for you so um i'm getting fired up now but i mean not to get too much into policy but like that's why you know one lender would be recommended over the other is because of policy and because you actually qualify for more and we've we've gone through this in rental scenarios before on this on this show but you know it I think on this episode with Dustin Woodhouse, he actually showed an example where, you know, one lender was qualifying somebody at $470,000 loan amount and the other was at 800,000. And, but that 800,000 could be like an extra half percent higher. But what is that going to do to your investment opportunity? Is that going to be a much better investment? Like you, you now can think like, okay, well, yeah, I understand there's a half percent difference in cost from an interest perspective, but it allows me to get a way, way more superior 
product or, or investment product when it comes to the property at hand right um and and you can start to look at now now you can plug these into your performance and figure out okay well yeah i'm going to make x amount more rental income so this half percent is completely negligible because i'm making more money overall so i mean this is where strategy is so important and it, it's not always about rate but it is about rate and and, and this is kind of how you know this whole puzzle comes together yeah i mean our job on every single file is to review figure out maximum qualification with ideal financing with best possible rates and you kind of need to merge those all together and present it to the client and sometimes we change those and a client will opt for a higher rate to get a, a higher loan amount right um, just one thing that's kind of topical right now is stress tests like that that rate that we're using for a stress test and and we're touching on mortgage qualification people are going to see a much much higher mortgage qualification going variable currently because the variable rates are still low enough that we can use the base stress test at 5.25%. Whereas if you're jumping into a fixed rate, that's, you know, whether it's three and a half or four and a half, we have to say two and a half percent above that, right? So, I mean, if there's a four and a half percent fix, we're now qualifying you at six and a half percent, which is much higher than the base stress test. And that's going to decrease your qualification quite a bit. So then again, picking rate and product, right, and length of term, you're going to see a uh, you're going to see a cheaper rate on a three year compared to a five year, and that means you're going to get a bigger mortgage on a three year fix because the qualifying rate's lower. So, I know it's super confusing, but again, um, these are all like very good points, and where it's you, you have to try to look around the rate and and then look at the whole strategy, and that's where we come into play. Truth, I love it. Yeah, and I hope that every <laughs> every one of our our uh, borrower clients is listening to this uh, podcast because. You know, um, we have some of these conversations, but I find like between this and someone trying to figure out their own qualification and then figure out what their financial goals are in the future, most people are going cross-eyed by the time we have that sort of a conversation. So hopefully, and I'd love that everybody uh, who's ever going to get a mortgage can listen to this and uh, yeah, ask us questions. What we'll do is we'll, we're going to have some uh, future episodes and conversations on these topics. Hey, like um, dig deeper into the whole, like the rental policy space. We've talked about that before and we have done it a few times, but you know, we need to circle back and talk about some of the things that have changed. We'll dig a little bit deeper into like why the insurance is the way it is at, at some point as well and just some of the other factors to consider. The purpose of this uh, this podcast was less to do with um, where rates are right now, but like how to determine that. And you know, if you're interested in understanding where rates are, definitely you should subscribe to our email list and check out our website to do that. Um, and uh, Or send us a message on IG and we'll add you to the list. Otherwise, uh, awesome uh, episode, guys, as always. And listeners, if you're loving the show, please leave us a five-star on Spotify or Apple. That would mean the world to us. Send us a message and let us know that you're getting value. And if you want to get a second opinion or a first opinion on your mortgage, there's no cost to doing so. Just uh, send us a message at the Instagram or on our website, thrivemortgage.ca, and you'll get a call from our team. And uh, one of the advisors will be happy to take incredible care of you.